Being a Better Man, Episode 77. All right, guys, welcome to Wednesday. Welcome to Storytime with Alf. Storytime is where I tell a true story from my strange and interesting life. The purpose of the story is not just to entertain you, but also to share with you the lesson or lessons I learned from that story. They might even cause you to reevaluate parts of your life and help you get lessons that you never knew were there. With that being said, just sit back, relax, and enjoy the story. I was 13 years old, and somewhere between being a boy and being a young man, my body, mind, and internal chemistry was changing, and everything I did and said turned out to be an awkward attempt to balance those changes with the life I'd known up until then. When a person is in that space, anything can happen. It was 1975, and I was on a camp out with my Boy Scout troop. We had an active troop, and we went on pretty serious campouts every month. This time we were camping at Fort Warden, an old retired World War II naval base on the northern coast of Washington State. There were a lot of old structures and underground bunkers to explore, and it was a lot of fun. We were having a great time, as we always did, and there was about 25 boys on this campout from the ages of 11 to 18. That's a whole lot of young testosterone all of us constantly trying to affect our standing within the group, trying to elevate our position on the pecking order, some of us succeeding and some of us not, just like in life. That's the way it was, though, and that's the way it always will be in our species whenever a group of our gender are thrust together as we were. Whether we're boys or men, it's part of our nature. I, for one, loved that element of it. I loved the challenge of standing out. I relished the opportunity to try, even in the presence of older boys who were obviously superior to me, but who I also knew were once exactly where I was. Unfortunately, sometimes my willingness to stand out and be noticed caused me to do things, stupid, crazy things that would get me in trouble and put my dad in the awkward position of trying to explain my behavior. Not all the time, but sometimes. One evening, we were all gathered together chatting in the firelight, and inevitably, somebody made a boast. It was another guy around my same age. He was boasting about how well he could cook when he was camping, and he wanted to prove it by making breakfast for everybody the next day. Well, me being who I was, I just couldn't let a boast like that go unchallenged. I told him I was a pretty good cook myself, and it just so happened that breakfast was my specialty. We went back and forth like that for a bit. The scoutmaster informed us that what was on the menu for the next morning was French toast, bacon, and fruit. Naturally, upon hearing that, both me and the other boy immediately crowned ourselves the best French toast makers in the world, and the verbal sparring continued. Finally, somebody came up with an idea, probably the scoutmaster. We should have a contest, a French toast contest. We could each cook in a different kitchen area. Our food would be served on different colored plates, 
and everyone who ate our food would vote on who the best was once and for all without knowing who they were voting for. That sounded like great fun to me, and I accepted the challenge immediately, as did my new rival. The next morning, the adults got us all set up with everything we needed. We each had the same number of eggs and bread and bacon and oranges. We had identical cooking utensils, and our outdoor kitchen areas were separated by a cinder block wall. The rules of the contest were explained to us. We had to make our own batter and cook the French toast. We had to cook the bacon at the same time, and we also had to slice our oranges into quarters to be served. All of our hungry friends were waiting eagerly just a little ways off, but they could not see us cooking. The contest began, and I flew into action. The truth was, I had never made French toast before, but I had watched my mom make it hundreds of times. I knew exactly what I was doing. I was working feverishly because there was also a time limit. We had to finish preparing everything within a certain period of time. My hands were flying from the batter I was making to the oranges, then to the bacon, then back to the batter. I was very focused on each individual task as I was doing it, and I was almost ready to start dunking the bread into the batter when I looked down and noticed something was wrong. In the middle of my large bowl of egg batter, there was a crimson puddle of blood. Not a tiny puddle, a puddle about four inches in diameter and who knows how deep. I quickly looked around. Good, nobody was watching. I looked back to the bloody batter. The puddle was getting bigger. I turned over my hands that were holding the rim of the bowl to discover a cut on my hand that I didn't know was there. Apparently, in the process of slicing oranges, I had cut myself. It was a fairly nasty cut, and it was still bleeding pretty good. I grabbed some paper towels and wrapped them around the cut finger. I applied pressure, but it kept bleeding through the paper towel. So I applied a new, thicker paper bandage and lashed it into place with some duct tape that was there. We used duct tape for everything when we were camping. The cut was now under control. Now back to the bloody batter. It looked pretty gross. There was a significant amount of my blood floating there on top of the egg batter. What would I do? I'd wasted so much time tending to my cut, I didn't have time to try and spoon out all the blood. I had used all the eggs I had to make my batter, so starting over was out of the question. My reputation and dignity were on the line. There was only one possible solution. After looking around once more to make sure nobody was watching, I picked up the wire whisk and furiously started just blending it all together. My spinning whisk created a vortex in the bowl, a vortex made of eggs, salt, milk, a little pepper, and a bunch of my own blood. When I was done, I stood back and looked. Yep, the batter had turned a strange shade of pink. Before anyone had a chance to inspect it, I quickly started dunking the bread into the pink batter and started cooking. After I had cooked all the bread I had, there was still some pink batter left in the bowl, so I disposed of it, along with the evidence of what I had done, into a nearby garbage can. The timer rang and we were done cooking. A few adults served our anonymous French toast to all the other people while we waited to hear the verdict of who had won. I was plenty nervous, as you might imagine. 
I had no idea what effect my secret ingredient would have on the taste. Part of me felt very strange and uneasy about the fact that everyone there was eating a portion of me. Thinking like that was not helping my situation. In fact, it made me a little nauseous, so I forced that thought out of my head. To my surprise, when the verdict came in, it was I that won the French Toast Contest. I won it by a landslide, actually. Almost everyone preferred my French Toast over that of my competitor. So I had the victory, but I would just have to take their word for it, because I didn't eat any French Toast that morning. I made do with an orange. And I never told anyone of this event for years, and absolutely never told anyone in my Boy Scout troop. Now there's only one reason not to ever speak of a thing, and that reason is because you know it was wrong. It was wrong of me to do that, to not tell anyone what had happened. When I saw the blood, I should have told someone. The contest would have been abandoned and my wound treated. But I was so caught up in the frenzy of competition that doing anything other than I did didn't even occur to me. I was 13, so I knew better. In a rational, non-competitive state, I would have certainly made another choice, but I didn't. I made a hasty, wrong choice, and then justified that choice in my mind for the sake of winning. That day I learned a lesson about hollow victories. I won, sure, but the victory was hollow and unrewarding, not because I had cheated exactly, but rather because in winning... I had perpetrated a deception on my friends. The guilt of that wrong act had rendered my victory impotent and hollow. It was a good lesson to learn at a young age. Winning really isn't everything if what you win is hollow and empty. It's better to lose with your honor intact. Well, that's it for today, guys. Now head out into the world, and while you are being a better man today than you were yesterday, avoid any hollow victories. They just aren't worth it. And if any of my old Boy Scout buddies are listening, hey, I'm sorry. But if you developed any superpowers from eating that French toast, you're welcome. Until next time, this is Alf Herigstad, signing out.